Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. Uh, I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, coming to you from that most sacred of podcast spaces, the floor of my fucking closet. (laughs) Perfect for Pride Month. Perfect. Happy Pride Month to me. Sitting on the floor of my closet. In your closet. Obi-Wan Kenobi beard. No, <laughs> yeah, you do. I, uh, I do. You I do, do have a Kenobi beard. I, I should have grown my hair out, is the thing. Listeners, I do apologize for the fact that I am recording this on my iPhone. Uh, it is not my normal podcast mic. I am attempting to move. And so the state of where everything is right now, the main apartment is extremely echoey and my computer has been entirely disconnected. So unfortunately, this is what you're getting for the next episode or two. So if you are keeping track, that means yes, I went straight from SWCA to having COVID to the second I get out of COVID isolation, I will be moving across town. It has been a very long few weeks for me, and I am very (laughs) tired. I am very tired. Much like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who I am emulating this week. Uh, uh, I don't think we have any news, Bradley, to go over. We do have a thing Charles fucked up. Ah, what did Charles fuck up? So on on the previous episode, uh, I mistakenly said that uh, Bad Batch and Andor... Well, I said that Andor would be coming out at the end of October, and I said Bad Batch might come out at the end of October. I meant August. I don't know why I said October. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. and I have the dates written down. So it's it's super weird because I listened back to the episode. I was like, how did neither of us catch that? That is weird. That is so strange. It's probably because you know what I had Andor. I think my guess for Andor before we knew the official date, I had it as October on my. I think so. My calendar. I think it's October in my brain. Yeah, it's in my brain. It's like Halloween. Is like I don't know why. I just that was just in my brain like that. Well, for those of you keeping track at home, Andor premieres August thirty first. We we don't know when Bad Batch is premiering. Maybe September twenty eighth. Who the fuck knows at this point? I mean, honestly, just. I'd rather them just wait. I, I don't necessarily want it back to back because then it's like, I need a break once in a while. Uh, all right, Bradley, you want to go ahead and take us into this episode? Yes, this week we're going to be discussing Kenobi part two. Uh, this week, Obi-Wan Kenobi tracks the kidnappers to the planet Dayu. Here, Kenobi encounters a con man named Haja who is pretending to be a Jedi. With his help, Kenobi finds Leia and rescues her. Word gets to the Grand Inquisitor of Kenobi's presence, and Riva disobeys orders to stand down and releases a bounty on Kenobi, causing local mercenaries to hunt them down. Riva confronts Kenobi before he escapes and reveals that Anakin Skywalker is in fact alive. The Grand Inquisitor arrives to arrest Kenobi himself, but Riva stabs him inadvertently, allowing Kenobi and Leia to escape. Charles, what is one thing you liked about the episode and one thing you did not? So one thing I liked about the episode is the planet Dayu is such an interesting planet. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. It's, it's just space Hong Kong, but that's really cool. And like, that makes yeah. sense. And we haven't necessarily seen that before. I, I like it being this like crime riddled planet. I just love everything about it. The one thing I didn't like, 
it's not, again, it's very difficult to criticize this show because I love the show so much. Right. But I'm going to complain about something because of the discourse it caused, which is the shot of the Grand Inquisitor lying on the ground and he looks like he's dead. Now, obviously, they've had to come, like, the discourse around this has been so strong that obviously they've come out and been like, yes, we are aware he is still alive in Rebels, and yes, we know Rebels takes place after this. Yes, we know he dies in Rebels. All of you need to calm down. But it's been, here's the thing with me. Yeah. So most times in Star Wars discourse, it comes from a very stupid place. Asking whether or not something is going to be overwritten is not a stupid question. And the reason is because Star Wars has done it before. Animation just sort of ignored the, or overwrote the Kanan comic. And a lot of people were mad about that. Bad Batch then went on to be even more confusing by like maybe killing off Orn Frita and then it had to come back a week later and be like, no, 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 guys, it was an attempted assassination. So right. I think obviously they're going into a direction where like the Grand Inquisitor is going to pop back up and be like, surprise, bitch, I lived. Right, but especially it's going to happen in this show. Like they're not it, stupid, it, I, you know what I mean? It's such, just specifically the shot of him lying there with his eyes open like he's dead. Yeah. That's confusing. It's yeah, it's questionable. And I best. didn't like the discourse that it caused. Now, once we have the full show, because we don't have the full show yet, my view on that might soften, but for now I'm I'm pretty one, I'm pretty sick of hearing about it, but two, it is a legitimate thing to bring up. Right. What about you, Bradley? What is one thing you liked and one thing you did not? Um, one thing I really liked about this episode was the character of Hasha. I thought he absolutely nailed it. Like I thought it was funny in just enough, like where it's kind of that. I call it Marvel funny, like Marvel comedy, where like they put a little bit in there to make you like chuckle once in a while, but it's not like so funny that it's annoying. I don't know. I just feel like he does such a good job with that character and I want more from the character. Like you're like, wait, we only got one episode. Like I need more of him. Like that's what I like about his character, his acting especially, um, that he keeps you wanting more. So that was one thing I really liked was the Haja character. The thing I did not like um like yeah like he said it's really hard to <laughs> pick up something um oh god i gotta pick something um maybe you do have to pick something okay i'll say i'll say my one thing i didn't like is kind of a, off of one thing you liked is i feel like we didn't get enough of dayu like i felt like they kind of built it up uh especially in like the very few interviews that we got of Deborah Chow and, you know, the actors being like, Oh, they're going to this new planet that you see in the trailers or whatever. They kind of built it up a little bit. And I was like, Oh, we're only there for one episode and we're never going back. I, I would have liked to see more of it or at least stay right. there for another episode or something, you know? Yeah. And, and like, obviously they wanted to hide the stuff on the Pozo Cause at that point, like Leia is super attached to Obi-Wan at the hip and like, right. As of recording, this episode four has just come out. The planet that they are at, both planets, the planet and the moon that they are at in episode four, both of those are like big ass deals. Yeah. Especially the planet. I can see why they would not have wanted to reveal that. Right. But like, yeah, we we needed more than one episode. I need more stuff on Dio. I need, now Bradley, I know that you recently just learned how to read. Uh, there is a book that surprised me. Uh, there was a book called, uh, I think it was just called Canto Bite. Okay. And it was, it was four stories that were set on the planet Canto Bite from The Last Jedi. 
written by four different authors uh, that were happening concurrently. And it was just like a good snapshot of what life is like on Canto Bite. I kind of want that for diet. Okay. So like a, just a book that maybe, like you said, like four different perspectives and like, it just kind of goes back and forth between them. Yeah. Like something like that, or like a Tales okay. from Dayu thing or something that hmm. like, let's, let's live a little on this planet. Cause it's such an interesting planet. You know, what could be interesting is maybe a short I story w- on the one character, the drug dealer girl. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> But we'll, we'll get to her in a second. Uh, yeah we'll get to her but like i feel like that could be an interesting person to follow if you know like whatever her because she kind of hinted at her story a little bit yeah i uh i definitely would want to see something like that yeah. for dayu going forward i was going to say something but i blanked on it <laughs> i guess there's that's a good of segue as any to... that's as good of a segue as any let's fucking go bradley take us into the first act our story begins on the planet dayu where kenobi has tracked the kidnappers on the streets, he comes across a veteran clone trooper down on his luck, and a local street urchin offers to take him to a local Jedi to help him on his quest. Uh, so the bit where he's talking about meeting Qui-Gon, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Qui-Gon's showing up at the end of this show. Like, like we agree this, right? Oh, this is definitely happening. I, if, like, we're on episode four in real life now. I, I, I mean, if Qui-Gon's not in the next episode or the finale, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the one or the other. Like, They would not bring him up this much if he wasn't going to show up. And yeah. fucking Liam Neeson's going to be in Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, he's so... already recorded all of his stuff that he needed to do for this months ago. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah like while he's there just pop him onto a green screen like absolutely. they did with alec guinness absolutely pay him a shitload of money <laughs> here you go and you can keep it a secret because if he's just on a green screen it doesn't take that many people all you need to do is have a bunch of people light it and shit have one camera guy and be like all right thanks like everybody go home for the day like you know we'll film the rest in you secret could, you could 100 percent james earl jones that shit <laughs> yes. you could 100 percent james earl jones that shit oh yeah uh, my next note is in all caps, uh, just the name Tem. We are, we are very excited uh, to see Tamara Morrison back as a clone trooper. Uh, you know, I like I said when we were doing Book of Boba, <laughs> I said it would not be hard for them to just, they already have Tamara Morrison. All they have to do is just put them in a fucking clone outfit and call Which it a day. Which is exactly what they fucking did. That's exactly what they did. I was so fucking hyped when that came on screen because I thought for a hot, like I was, I was I was a little going a little too close to the sun and I was like oh my god they're doing Rex but then I was like okay wait whoa 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 I was like let's take a step back it's just a rando clone he doesn't really recognize him calm down <laughs> so you you wanted you wanted some pain about this clone yes give give me the pain I already love it because he's already did, a fucking hobo so it's already it's did already you do you already about, did but. you notice did you notice the armor that the clone is wearing I did read that it is 501st armor. It is 501st trooper armor. So not only is that probably a clone that knew Obi-Wan Kenobi, because the 501st was Anakin Skywalker's unit. Right. They served alongside the 212th, which was Obi-Wan Kenobi's unit. This yeah. guy probably served under Obi-Wan. That's and on top of that, because he's 501st, this dude probably marched on the Jedi Temple. So not only... Did he probably know Kenobi? He also knows that this clone in particular probably killed younglings and other yep. Jedi. That's yep. crazy. 
Yeah. Oh, I love this show so much. Oh my God, <laughs> the pain. I mean, we just watched episode four, and episode four goes places with that pain. Right. I, but now I'm like, I want them to explore more of these live action clones, like just dealing, like being, you know, fucking veterans that nobody wants to help. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's so like interesting. Like, I need that perspective. But, I need that but story. Bradley, but Bradley, they can't do that. That would be political. And, and there's no politics in Star Wars. Bradley. Uh, well, well, of course. There's no politics. We can't talk about the poor treatment of veterans. Oh, you're right. That would be bad. We can't do it. That that would that would be politics, and there is no politics in Star Wars. Uh, this actually, is definitely not making a point. I mean, I know, yeah, I know. I love how this is just supposed to be like an Easter egg, but then it's also like technically a political statement too. In the sense, it's like, look, this is how the government treats veterans when they no longer need them anymore. It's so yeah, sad, I mean, it's, but it's true. It's, like, it's ten years later, and like, yeah. the events of the Bad Batch will have happened. Oh, that's so crazy. Uh, my one final note for this sequence. So, the drug dealer. This is this has been covered by many people. Uh, the drug dealer who is who like gives him the spice uh, is played by Ewan McGregor's actual real life daughter. I love that. That's really nice. I don't have her name up in front of me, and unfortunately, I'm on my phone. And it is tricky mm. enough to try to record this audio as it is without me frantically googling things. But that is Ewan McGregor's actual real life daughter. Her name is Esther Rose. Esther Rose. Esther yes. Rose McGregor. That so is, so when he that. says, I'm looking for my daughter and she's like, oh, I was someone da- someone's daughter. I was someone's daughter's once. <laughs> yeah, talking to him. Yeah, that's hilarious, actually. I do love that. I love the, I love when they do shit like that because you're just like, clever. Clever Deborah Chow. There. Once Kenobi finds this Jedi, Haja, who appears to be helping people off the planet, he quickly realizes that this Jedi is a con artist, tricking people and collecting their credits. Kenobi confronts him and enlists his help to locate Leia. Okay, so Kamal Nanjiani is playing the Kamal Nanjiani character that he yes. plays, doing it very, very well. You can definitely see like why they hired him for this role. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because it requires such a degree of charisma that he specifically brings to roles. So when I say he plays the character that he plays in this, mm-hmm. that is not a knock. They went to the professional for this. Yeah, he definitely has that aesthetic that he, he there's just something about his, his, like you said, his character he plays that he just, I, I can't explain what it is, but it, it, it's just a charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent that he has. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of, he was also a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race once. So there's his gay connection right there. Oh, he was also on Gay of Thrones too. So. Wow. This dude really is an ally. <laughs> so he is, he is not only an ally, he is a Star Wars fan and he is a Marvel fan. So for, you know what, for our purposes, he has, has a gay has trifecta. He, has he completed the Disney trifecta? Almost. He doesn't have a Disney thing, like a, you know, a solid, like a, a regular Disney thing. Disney, yet. get on that. I know. Disney. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was surprised because I looked it up. I was like, he's got to have something, like just a voice or something. Nope, they haven't done it yet. So I'm assuming maybe down the road i mean he did eternals so he'll come back for that and then obviously now he's on star wars so i think they're probably just waiting for the right role to come for him you know just the right maybe animation role or something that they want to stick him in for some disney thing or pixar thing 
I mean, he basically is an animated character, so. So there's a fun little Easter egg with this kid that he's helping escape. Mm -hmm. So the kid, he's trying to get to Corellia, and the kid's name is not mentioned in the show. No. But if you pay attention to the credits, that kid is credited as playing Corin. Corin Horn was a major character from the old EU who was a Jedi with Luke Skywalker's New Jedi Order, who came from Corellia. Oh, nice. Yeah, I believe he is from the X-Wing books of Aaron Alston. I believe that is where his primary primary appearances are, but I do also remember him popping up in some of the later stuff like Fate of the Jedi, Legacy of the Force, and all that that I read. So fun little Easter eggs for Legends fans, uh, you neither know or nor care about any of this, so. No, I don't care about Legends, because it didn't happen. <laughs> it was real, don't say that, it was real to me. <laughs> doesn't look it like anything to me. to me. Doesn't look like anything to me. That's a Westworld joke for you. Oh, I, I only watch, I watched season one, and then I watched season two, and oh. I was like, I can't follow this. No, I, there's actually, what's funny is there is like a, a Star Wars Explained-esque video out there. Like you can watch, like it's like breaks down each season of Westworld. I swear to you, they're like 30 minutes long and they still don't make a goddamn bit of sense. Like it's so funny how complicated that show is because it's like multiple timelines and like all this shit. You're just like, all right, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> I keep seeing ads for it and I'm like, that fucking show is still on. I mean, that whatever, all being maybe. said, great show. Great show. I love maybe it. if it's I'm in a mood. You know, I've been I've been following a lot of Game of Thrones content creators and yeah. honestly House of the Dragon looks good. So like maybe I'll revert back to Ooh, I don't know if I can previous... give that one a chance. I, I don't I just don't know. I, I think the other one just left such a sour taste. Like I just uh it's one of those things where it's like you eat something you really like for a long time and then you throw up and you're like, oh, never getting that again. That's so that's literally so what basically what happened with me and, and fireball shots in college. I was going to say me and Panda Express in college. You can't eat Panda Express. You are missing out. I know. It was so good. I used to love it. I love Obi-Wan's like sass in this scene. Oh, when he yeah, he's like so he's like very like uh, placating him the whole time. He's like, oh, Oh, really? You're, you, that's how much? <laughs> it's, it's a testament to Ian McGregor's character, like how well he knows the character of Kenobi. It's, it's like sassy Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, do you know about the Force? No, tell me all no, about the please. Force. Yeah, please do tell me. One final note, and I, I, I don't know if it's this scene or the next scene, but Ian McGregor it's very good at tapping into some of the same mannerisms he has. So you'll notice points during these scenes where he's like touching his face when he's thinking. And I think that is cool that he is continuing to do that mannerism. And of course the, the Clone Wars animators did it as well when they were doing the animation, but that was just something I noted that was cool. With Haja's intel, Kenobi locates the place where the princess is being kept. He sneaks in and finds her. Unfortunately, it's a trap. And Kenobi is confronted by Vest Nokru and tells him the Inquisitor is on her way. Kenobi escapes by exploding the spice pack he received earlier. He finally locates Leia, who tries to run from him, but he convinces her to go. I love when Star Wars is weird aliens. I, I'm sorry, I do. I love it yeah. when they're like, here's a fucking like dollar star mask, put it on. You know I what? I love Fuck that it. shit. 
I, we'll get to show. it. We'll get to it in uh, uh, the next episode. The, the alien that we meet in the next episode, where it's just like obviously just like an animal, but just humanoid. Like <laughs> you're like, all right. Oh, oh, we'll get to fucking Black or whatever the it. fuck I his name it. is. Yeah. I also do like that. Like, yeah, he's not using the force, and yeah, he's not using a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. But I do like that Obi-Wan Kenobi is very clearly combat trained. He clearly has some kind of jitsu fighting style of some kind. I, 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 I don't want anybody I to come to me it, like... It might be a keto. I believe it might be a keto. I think that's that what someone using. told me. My friend is really into like fighting and he was like, oh, he's using this style of fighting, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. And we're having your friend on the show to discuss the fighting styles of what, what was that show actually? There was something we were we were talking about your friend that's big into the fight choreography. Oh, he was uh, he mentioned something about the Ahsoka scene um, in Mando too, where he was talking about like fighting with the um, when she was fighting with the uh, the lady with the spear. Oh yeah, um, the fight I choreographer. Do, I lady. do remember? Okay, I can't remember her name, but. Our two and a half hour mega episode on forty-five <laughs> minutes of television. Exactly, and I was like, I was like, as much fun as it would be um, to discuss that stuff, uh, I can't make, make it a four-hour episode. Hour episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't need to make this even longer. Good lord, no. listeners, we are not doing guests for Kenobi in part because it is just difficult enough to schedule with just me and Bradley. Well, clearly, uh, we, it's, it's even more difficult than we thought it was going to be. Clearly. Clearly, I'm in outside my fucking problem. closet right now yeah. trying to record this. I have been holding the microphone in the same place for the past 25 minutes, trying to get the audio fine. <laughs> the audio will not be fine. Good luck, Bradley. Right. <laughs> uh, but the other reason we're not having guests is because there's just so much to talk about in Obi-Wan Kenobi. We, we would be clocking three-hour episodes. Easily. I'm I'm, we, I'm I'm surprised we can barely keep it under an hour thirty. We're like, all right, let's, you know. And and we are not hoping, Chris, from from Jaguars and Jedi. We cannot make a three hour episode work. They no. can make a three hour episode work. I cannot make a three hour episode work. No, definitely not. I just have the word "move" in quotation marks, and I don't remember why. Do you remember? Honestly, no. no. Okay. Move. Maybe. Oh, does Reva say that at some point? Yes, yeah. So I fucking love the bit where she walks up to the guy, the club like, owner, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, and he's just, after way. a second, he's like, you know what? You know what? You know what? I want to keep my hand today. You know what? I I like keeping all of my blood inside my body. I have the note here as far as Leia and Ben. This is the same girl who will eventually take over her own rescue mm. on the Death Star. I do like that. And you can very clearly see it. Well, you could have, you seen it because like literally when he goes in to get her, she's like already running out the door. Like she, she's like, oh, I escaped. Like, this is she my had chance. A plan. Like, yeah, she had a whole plan. She's not old enough to have the experience. So right. she, she kind of follows along Ben, you know, up to a certain point and then continues to do it. Right. Because I think she recognizes at her age, he has the experience she however definitely has all that same gumption of like mm-hmm. i know we're gonna do things my way disguised leia and kenobi make their way through the city reva arrives and discovers kenobi has escaped the grand inquisitor confronts her on her plan and dismisses her in anger she releases a bounty on kenobi so that she can draw him out herself 
I just have get his ass Reva in my notes. She's so fucking smart. I, I honestly, I do love villain esque character. It's I because I, I can't say she's like a villain villain because I mean I like her so much. I don't like calling her a villain because I like villains, so I like to call them like just antagonists. Like they're just they're just getting in the hero's way. They're not a bad person. They're just they're getting in the hero's way. Their their story is is as perfectly acceptable. Everything she's doing is correct. <laughs> so I I have a later note that I'll, I'll bring up now. One thing I really like about the way the series is designed is that Reva is an antagonist for Obi-Wan, but Reva in her own story has her own antagonist. Yes. And those antagonists yeah. are not Obi-Wan. You think of a traditional like story structure, you're going to have a protagonist and an antagonist, and they're going to be at odds with each other. Right. Reva is very much the protagonist of her own story. And she has her own antagonist in the form of the Grand Inquisitor, the fifth brother, Darth Vader. And Obi-Wan is a supplement. Obi-Wan is almost a plot device in her story. He doesn't really. He's kind of a Hermaguffin. He's a thing for her to chase. Her goal is just like her end goal. Clearly, it, it seems to be anyway, is to be Grand Inquisitor. The only way to be Grand Inquisitor is to catch Kenobi for Vader. So it's like. He's not, there's no like hero in her story. She's the hero. <laughs> She's the main character. Yeah. And like that is, it's really fucking good screenwriting. Like yeah. a lot, again, I'm going to put on the hat of, I literally have a degree in screenwriting. <laughs> I know good screenwriting when I see it. Yeah. This is excellent screenwriting. I agree. Because Reva can serve as the antagonist to Obi-Wan while also serving as a protagonist of her own story. But Obi-Wan doesn't necessarily have to be her main antagonist. She has other antagonists in the form of Grand Inquisitor, Fifth Brother, and Vader. Absolutely. So I love that. It's really clever. And it also speaks to how proactive of a character she is in foil to Obi-Wan. God, the writing on the show is so fucking good. Oh, my God. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I would like an entire book about the bounty hunter dinosaur, please. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. So like we were talking about random ass aliens, this was definitely like random. When I saw the fucking Jurassic Park alien, I was like, I was like, is this like a subtle promo for Jurassic World coming out like this Friday? Like what is going on? If they gave me like blue turns into a bounty hunter, I would, I would eat that shit up. But now that I have him, I kind of want more of that alien to show up. Like, I'm like, you know what? We do need more T-Rex people in Star Wars. We need more T-Rex people in Star Wars. This (laughs) is the gay agenda. This is what I want for Pride Month. Sure, let's do it. I want T-Rex people in Star Wars. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I mean, they gave us, you know, more Deveronians with uh, Mandalorian and more Twi'leks with Mandalorian. So now, and Boba Fett. So now I'm like, all right what's more what's another alien we need more of and you know what i didn't know it was fucking raptor people but that that's that's what we need like that's That's, what we need that's one of the benefits that star wars has above light because star wars is space fantasy you know it's not science fiction i don't give a fuck what hank green says hank green is wrong because it's space fantasy you don't have to think very much about what are the limitations you know what what are we doing in terms of making it so this might be a species that would realistically exist? Nah, slap a fucking dinosaur head on that thing and go. 
Right. Cause then the second they introduce this new character, like I can already see the nerds typing on their, you know, their little computers being like, Oh, well that just means that there's a whole nother planet. There's a whole nother government system. There's a whole nother subspecies on that planet. There's a whole nother, like there's like five different variations of that species, like blah, blah, blah. Like they're all going through their fucking notes and they're all trying to make up all this like backstory. You know, I don't appreciate being directly attacked like this Bradley <laughs> on my own show, no less. Right. But I love it. I love it. Uh, One tiny note, something that was weird. The subtitles spell tall, the planet that Ben tells Leia that they're from. Mm -hmm. Uh, They spell it T-A-W-L in both this and episode three. Whereas I have always seen it spelled T-A-U-L. Which is that could a just very be a weird. subtitle thing, though. I don't know if it's yeah. I don't know if it's like a subtitle. Somebody didn't check with Story Group, right? But I I'm pretty sure Tall is spelled T A U L. Well, because I I think I don't tell me if I'm wrong, but we've never been there, have we? Uh, we have we have been there. The only time I can think of that we've visually seen it is in Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, it is where Han and Chewbacca acquire the Rathars. No, no, I am, I am wrong. Yeah, I believe. Ooh, I, I want Wikipedia. It is either. You know what? I am, I am gonna walk that back. I am pretty sure it is the planet on which C three PO crashes and gets his red arm. Okay. Well, maybe you can check because that because I next vaguely week we'll, I remember we'll the mission. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be the thing Charles fucked up. That'll be the okay. Thing cool. We'll yeah, we'll check it research. next week because they bring it up again next week. So we'll we'll do that. Put your guesses in the comments <laughs> below. Whether yeah, or what not do you want? Yeah, you think it's yeah. one or the other. I guarantee you, by the time this episode comes out, I will have checked it. Chris, do not text me. Right. <laughs> with the right answer. Um, how did I you know. not know that it was the I planet know, where? For the fact that we literally have Discord threads where I go through your episodes and point out everything you got wrong. You will want to come in. No, Chris. Chris, I'm looking at you. Shout out Dark Side Divas. You should check out uh, their Patreon. Uh, they just launched one. Anyway, uh, the, the last note I, I sort of had for this section before we move on to the next one is, uh, now my original note was that, that Leia thinks Obi-Wan's name is Ben. Episode four showed that she very clearly knows his name is Obi-Wan, but she's used to calling him Ben. And this is important because do you remember when I talked about going back and checking A New Hope? So I will now quote the dialogue to you from the Luke uh, scene. Okay. And if possible, Bradley, you you may just want to layer it over instead of me saying it. I actually but, might do that. Okay, yeah. Well, if it's says, the same. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? A little short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're who? I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. So if you, you hear in that scene, she refers to him as Ben Kenobi, and that she immediately recognizes the name Ben and calls him Ben. Like she knows his name is Obi-Wan, but the second Luke is like, oh, Ben is here. So I thought that was interesting that he introduces himself as Ben and all the way up until episode four, she doesn't 
no one addresses him as Obi-Wan to her. Right. That is weird. Like you said, once you go back and watch it, I'm sure it all makes sense. It, it all makes sense. Go back and watch A New Hope. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's a very good movie. You probably have never seen it if you're listening to this show. Right. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's an old movie, so it's probably it's a really very hard to old get movie. It's about yeah. fifty years old. Oof. It's, oof. It's still a little rough. Uh, it's it's a little rough. Yeah. Uh, but I think you'll find some things in it that you'll like. With the bounty out on the pair, Leia and Kenobi make their way through the city. Leia notices that the bounty is for Kenobi and not her, and her distrust in him causes her to run away. During the chase, Kenobi fights off bounty hunters, signaling Reva to his location. Leia, attempting to flee, jumps from a building and falls. Kenobi reaches out with the Force and saves her from death. Uh, when she says, I'm just Leia, my note is, ugh, I love her. She is such a great character. God, the acting. She is so good. I like, I'm. Vivian I'm Lyra Flair, so good. I'm so, so shocked by her acting. I really am. Because for a kid, like, look, here's the thing with kid actors, you, you know, you either get a decent performance or you get a once in a lifetime performance, like from someone who just, like, is just you weren't expecting them to be that good and then they just from birth they're just like amazing that she's one of those actors like you can tell like she just has something she is consistently nailed even in this show we are on episode four now she has consistently nailed every scene that she is in for four episodes she is holding her own with ewan mcgregor and moses fucking ingram she's so good uh, I can't get over one, it. 100% correct about what happened when she's like, uh, they're not after me. They captured me to get to you. She's totally right about this. 100%. And she's, again, she's so, Leia is so smart that she just knows things. Like, again, it's her kind of semi using the force, but it's like subconsciously. So she just, she's just so keen to everything that's going on around her and the details. She just knows what's going on. I love it. I and like you can tell that's not even really her using the force that's her being like I'm 10 but I'm already smarter than most people around me uh I have in my notes here that the fourth sister is already a sleigh we haven't gotten much of her anywhere but I have ruled her a sleigh uh purely because she does have those vibes I I do like her I I wish we kind of would get more of her um I know she's kind of just there to be kind of the filler inquisitor like, because the fifth brother clearly has, like, you know, a vendetta against Riva, and then Riva, you know, is the main Inquisitor that we're following, and then, of course, the Grand Inquisitor is, you know, our, uh, just our leader, of course, and then... Who gets replaced at the end of this episode with another character. Right. I think that might be the thing I didn't like about the episode, but we'll, we'll, when we get to it, we'll... All right, well, I guess uh, my final, final note for this sequence uh, is I love that Ben uses the force for the first time in 10 years to save Anakin's daughter. I did like, I did like, oh, I also liked how she was like, when she was like, when I want you to prove it to me, she's like, make me float. So I can't he, make you he, float. That, he made her you know, float. He made her float. <laughs> and she even remarks on it later, like, you yeah. can make me float. Right. I think that's, again, that's probably the only thing he could have done to make her truly believe. And that's kind of a nice little poetic thing there where it's like, Oh, you know, she doesn't believe you unless you use telekinesis, basically, is the only way to prove you're a Jedi at this point. <laughs> well, it's it's also Obi-Wan Kenobi looking out for another yeah. fucking Skywalker oh, who's gotten into a situation she's not prepared for. 
I love how like cyclical that Star Wars is. So it's just well, you nice see, it's to, like poetry. It, it rhymes. Yeah, it all rhymes. Once the pair reach the spaceport, they are confronted by Haja. He tells them of a cargo port that they can use instead where they won't be tracked. Haja distracts Riva, who is using a real mind trick to gather information she needs to find Kenobi. So uh, rip for Lam, I guess. Um, I, I don't know if that actually was for Lam after all, or it, it was for Lam and he's just going to get put back together. Yeah, I we mean, don't... I guess droids can always get fixed. So I never, whenever a droid quote unquote dies in these shows, like, or in the movies and stuff, you know, it's just, they put it back together. It's fine. Well, for Lam, for Lam also has gotten like fucked up and then put back together in the comics yeah. before. Uh, shout out to Daniel Jose Older uh, for writing the, the Foylam and Zuckus one shot uh, that broke my heart and made me care about these stupid characters. Uh, good job, Daniel Jose Older, who I met at Celebration. He was lovely. Haja is such an interesting character in just one episode. There's so much depth to his character and so much... He did not waste any screen time with this character. He said, like, I, if you're going to put me in Star Wars, like, I'm going to take up every single minute that I am in and I'm just going to chew the scene apart. Yeah, like, this dude really had, like, five minutes, maybe eight minutes total of screen time. Right. And is easily one of the most memorable Star Wars characters because he's, he's got that beautiful, like, moral gray complexity. It's, he's got a heart of gold. He's played by Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> you know, there's so much working for this guy. Um, also, let's talk about how, like, I know he's not, like, technically, quote unquote, brave, but he is brave because he just stood up to a fucking inquisitor. Like... He does go and confront the scene <laughs> where him and, and Riva are squaring off. Fucking incredible. So incredible good. shit. Like, we love legends fighting legends. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a second because I do have one little note here in the middle, which is uh, yeah. Rip Flea. Oh. Sorry, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, Ryu doesn't have time for failure. Hope so. you had fun. What's well, the, the Grand Inquisitor, like, shops him into pieces. Oh, is it? Oh, the Grand Inquisitor. It's the, the Grand Inquisitor. Inquisitor. That's right, because she's off chasing Kenobi. Okay, uh, you're right. She's off chasing Kenobi. Yeah, he's he does. Well, the Grand Inquisitor also doesn't have time for shit, so. <laughs> no. He, he does not. He's the Grand Inquisitor for a reason. Yeah. Returning to the scene with uh, Riva and Haja, she does the thing on him that like Kylo Ren does in The Force Awakens. Mm. And I just want to note that this the series really did say sequel trilogy rights, which I do think is cool that they're incorporating stuff from the sequel trilogy into it. Now that the sequel trilogy is done, they can take some of that stuff and work it in a little more seamlessly. I think right. part of the problem with incorporating stuff into like Rebels, the problem was it felt super random. Like they added that random like cross guard lightsaber in the Malachor stuff at the end of season two. Yeah. So like so when stuff from the sequels would show up in Rebels, it was like super random. Yeah, it was and too it was early. clearly like yeah. here is this thing. And now that now that the three movies have had time to sort of settle, we're getting things from them being brought over, which I think Absolutely. is really cool. Yeah. And I, I actually really like that she does this kind of mind. I'll call it a mind trick, even though it's not really a mind trick, but it like. Elzar Man can, would call it a mind touch. Mind touch. That's right. Um, uh, which is worse somehow. <laughs> well, because a mind touch actually sounds evil if you think about it, because like the whole 
actually even meta jedi mind trick is also kind of pretty evil if you think about it because you're convincing people of things or you're tricking them into doing something that they don't necessarily yes. want to do but El- elzar man makes that point and you know he makes that point because you've read light of the jedi i did read that book um which is again course, one thing i, I liked about of all people of all people who maybe don't need to be making moral judgments about things Elzar fucking man is maybe one of those people who needs to sit down, shut up, and stay in his lane. But uh, we'll get we'll get to that when you get more into the 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 High Republic stuff. My my final note on this sequence is: Do we think that like Reva ripping the information out of Hodge's brain might be literally the first time he has ever seen the Force? Um, yes, because Kenobi didn't at, do anything for him, like in front of him or anything look like at that. His face when she walks away, he is terrified. Yeah, I think because he he was pretending for so long to be able to do that stuff, and so he had in his mind kind of like this is like he kind of almost tricked himself into thinking like that's the way it worked, and then you know what I mean? Like when you do something long enough, you kind of start believing your lies. So I when think you lie, when you lie for long enough, you, you start believing it. And that's when the lies become right. really convincing. Yeah. I, I think to the point where like he knows deep down, like, obviously this is not how a Jedi mind trick works, but like, he also doesn't really know how it does work. So like, it, he only knows like what he's kind of pretended himself to and, and other people. And he's kind of trying to convince them. So he's lying to himself. And then when he actually goes through with it and feels the force for the first time, he's kind of like, Oh, Wow, that really fucking sucked. Oh, yeah, that sucked, actually. <laughs> no, and Kamal Nanjiani is such a fucking good actor that he conveys this in a split-second facial expression. Like, the casting in this is is absolutely A-tier. A-plus tier. And we're not even to my favorite character yet. <laughs> we're not even to her yet. She's coming yet. next episode. Reva enters the cargo port where our heroes are hiding. She is taunting him to come out, and she reveals that Anakin Skywalker, now Lord Vader, is alive and well. Before she gets to Kenobi, she is confronted by the Grand Inquisitor, who is tired of her. She suddenly stabs him with her saber, and he falls to the ground, seemingly dead. This allows Kenobi and Leia to get away in a cargo ship. Cut to Darth Vader waking up in a Bacta tank. So right, right as the scene starts, um, Obi-Wan telling Leia about Padme. And to be clear, he is talking about Padme. Like, <laughs> there are people saying, oh, he, maybe he was talking about Satine. Uh, no, he was talking about Padme. Please, yeah. please yeah. use, like, critical context clues. Yeah. reading <laughs> skills and context clues. Right, come on. He guys. is very obvious. I love uh, love Obi Wan and Satine as a pairing too. He is very clearly talking about Padme here. Like, yeah. no Tino shade, but please use the context clues. He is very obviously talking about Padme. Uh, I love that this might is going to be an impetus for her actions later on uh, mm-hmm. as she gets older, learning a little bit about this friend that that is actually, and you know, we're going to find out next episode. She's going to figure out that he knew her mother. This is doing a lot for the original trilogy. They're setting up a lot. (laughs) But I love just Obi-Wan telling her about Padme and like I melted into a puddle on the floor. I I couldn't do it. I was sitting in the theater like, God, please let this end. I can't take any more of this. And then fucking Reva shows up. Mm. Can we talk about how fucking terrifying she is? 
I just, I just love how she's like, just so good at just being scary. And she's just like, I'm taunting oh, you. Like, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm going to get you. Like, <laughs> this is the scariest fucking thing. And like, the little lullaby sing songy, like, Obi-Wan yeah. shouldn't be as scary as, no, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. And it's like, where did you learn this, girl? Like, where did you learn this? Because, <laughs> I don't think the Grand Inquisitor taught you this. Like <laughs> she learned it from Vader. Right. She learned being a petty bitch from Darth Vader himself. Clearly. Uh, I do like that he doesn't ignite the the lightsaber. You I know, like that it, they make a deal of it, but he hasn't done it. Like he has it. He's been holding it. He it's near him. He could use it any moment, but they are saving it for clearly like his confrontation. Like they're like, and, All right. and we we will get to the moment he ignites it because the moment he does finally turn it on perfect perfection yeah yeah literal perfection my next note is is about the bit where um reva tells him that anakin skywalker is still alive uh, and my only note is jesus christ i just don't I understand have no, i have no specific notes about this scene because it is so good it's just like how could you just not know like i don't know i'm just like he had such a deep deep connection to Anakin and it's like he just kind of left in there and it's like you didn't want to just like make sure he died like you know like just like make sure like <laughs> well we talked earlier about lying to yourself right and I think Obi-Wan is established in the series to have cut himself off from the force that's true why doesn't Luke know that Han died in uh, Last yeah. Jedi because he cut himself off from cut the himself force. off right Obi-Wan has been cut off from the Force for 10 years. Anakin can't sense him. He can't sense Anakin. Right, because that's why Vader can't even find him, because he's just like, I don't know where he is. He's cut off from the Force. Exactly. I I get it. Now, there's been a lot of bitching from shitty online fanboys about, like, how did Reva know that Anakin is Darth Vader? Dudes, Uh... we've, we've had... We have had two episodes of this show we've now had four we don't necessarily have a satisfactory answer specifically spelled out for us yet right but it is not a far cry to make this leap this is not a thing to get weird and racist about on the internet that oh she knows a thing that other people shouldn't know my dudes both tarkin and thrawn figured it out yeah, Thrawn it's like the worst kept out, secret. Yeah. Thrawn figured it out after having one conversation, like one fucking yeah. conversation with the guy. That's Tarkin's true. figured it out. There was an Imperial inspector in the comics run hmm. that uh, the Darth Vader, I think it was the Karen Gillan run. There was an Imperial inspector that figured it out. Like people figure out all the time, even not knowing Reva's backstory and whether or not she knew from the purge that Anakin was Vader. Which again, she might have known that might have occurred uh. in the opening scene. So she might have seen him as Darth Vader. You know, it what? is not a far stretch of the imagination yeah. to say that somewhere in ten, the 10 years, he, the, the, she figured it out. True. And you know what? Honestly, they might be setting up some kind of another Order 66 scene, which I'm, I'm assuming with reva and showing her like maybe there's a scene where she sees anakin in all of his regular glory you know like 
killing everybody and being like, oh, I know who that guy is because he's a fucking Jedi master. Like, I know exactly who Anakin Skywalker is and seeing him kill everybody and stuff and being like, oh, he's evil. And then she just makes the connection like that. That's Vader. Like she knows that that's who he is now because that's Palpatine is the leader and she's not stupid. She can figure it out. Like, I I just think it's yeah. Well, here's another interpretation of the scene, right? Here's a different way you can read it. She knows that Lord Vader exists. Mm. She also can kind of read Obi-Wan's thoughts because he is reconnected to the force. And I think she does say your thoughts betray you, Obi-Wan, at one point. Ah. She says the name Lord Vader and Obi-Wan immediately thinks of Anakin and that is when Reva puts it together. Got it. And she realizes because she literally senses Obi-Wan's immediate turmoil, she's like, oh, oh, Vader is Anakin. Oh, shit. Yeah, maybe she, yeah, she, maybe Kenobi's the one who kind of inadvertently just told her. Like, that's a good interpretation. Well, like again, yeah. go back to re- the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. Sister, you have a twin sister. Right. Your thoughts have now betrayed her too. This is established as a thing that can happen. So yeah, it is. I have not heard anybody say that, and I just thought of it. But yeah, it is entirely possible she did not know until that moment, and Obi Wan's thoughts gave it away. She is a smarty. She is. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Reva stabbing the Grand Inquisitor. Okay, <laughs> I knew this was gonna happen. This is like everybody's fucking brother talking about this stupid yeah, ass fucking every, shit. I was like, all right, everybody guys. won't shut up about this scene. Oh <sighs> my god, I'm like, so Reva like stab the inquisitor which comes as a shock obviously because he's still fucking alive in rebels i mean okay even if let's just say for argument's sake that you haven't seen rebels let's let's just say that then for all you know this is just a fucking another darth maul situation like this is just a he just shows up again later it's fine it just people no one's ever really gone it's fine like you know what i mean even if they don't explain it if if he's like dead in the context of the show and they never explicitly say that he's dead they just imply it even if he's dead in the context of the show that's in the context of this specific show right and if if they have to do a comic or something to bridge the gap fine whatever they've come out and said that they're aware that but the other thing to consider is the Grand Inquisitor is terrified of his body being sent back to Darth Vader. So it is possible that Reva did, in fact, kill him and they used Sith alchemy to bring him back and it sucked. Oh, I never thought of that. So that also does not contradict Rebels. In fact, that makes Rebels worse. Right, because it makes him even more evil. he has already died but, yeah. here because Reva shanked him. Mm-hmm. And then they brought him back using, I don't know, Sith alchemy. There we go. So that that doesn't contradict Rebels either. No, it definitely doesn't. And you know what? Even if it did, I don't fucking care because he's not supposed to be the villain of the show. So yeah, you fine. can do some arc welding. He served his purpose in the show. Right. They had to he get was, rid of him. He somehow. was an antagonist for two episodes, and now they're right. replacing him with Vader. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but yeah. he's obviously not dead. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, here's what here's what I like to say about this scene is if you only watch the TV shows and not the cartoons, then for all intents and purposes, yep, he's dead. I and mean, that's fine. And you can just be like, oh, that random guy that showed up at the beginning of this show randomly just died. OK, 
It was her boss. She killed him because she wanted him out of the way. As far as you know, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter because you don't watch the cartoon, so it doesn't really fucking matter. When but if you do, first, then, first yeah, of all, you if you don't, first of all, if you don't watch the cartoons, you're going to be real fucking locked out of this show. <laughs> well, that's true. But like Star Wars Explained said this when there was a controversy over Orn Free Ta. Do you remember when Orn Free Ta gets shot in the head in Bad Batch? Yes. And for a week, everybody was like, what the fuck? He is still alive in Lords of the Sith. The way Star Wars Explained rationalized it was he basically said, look, if you're only following the, the shows, then yeah, he's dead. He's, he's dead in the context of that and he doesn't pop up again. If you read the books, obviously somehow he survived. You know, right. it is what it is. It is what it is. It depends on your level of immersion that you want to go. Now, since this episode came out before we recorded this podcast episode, obviously they came out and said, like, we know what we're doing. My final note here is just the words, oh my God. The scene where Obi-Wan is like sensing Vader for the first time. Mm. And Vader opens his eyes and they are tinged with Sith yellow. (laughs) And it's very clear that because Obi-Wan is reconnected to the Force, Vader is sensing him too. Right, he like wakes up, he's like... (gasps) He wakes up, he's like, that's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, finally, the old fart showed up. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thunderous applause. Yeah. Thunderous applause in the theater when they showed his eyes. I like how they like for you guys, they because you got to watch them both back to back. You know, I I think it's interesting that they ended it on that. And I honestly think that that was the perfect ending for this two episode arc, because I was worried that when they mentioned Darth Vader and like, you know, the promos and shit, they were like, oh, Vader's going to show up in the show. I was like, oh, great. He's going to be in every goddamn episode and it's going to be terrible. And you know what I mean? Like, it's going to overuse him or whatever. Not the case. The first two episodes, he did not need to be in the show and he wasn't. He might have been mentioned once in a while, but he wasn't actually physically in the show. And the fact that they didn't introduce him to the very end of this episode. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And then the use of him in the the next two episodes is going to continue to be absolutely stunningly good. His shadow looms over everything without his physical presence being there. And when his physical presence does show up, oh, good, good God. Hayden. It's going to be good. We'll get to that next episode. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Bradley, do you have any final thoughts on uh, on Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 2? Um, my final thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 2 and technically the first, I, I don't want to say the first half of the season, but the first chunk of the season, we'll call it, because it's I, I, maybe they're kind of in two episode arcs each time, because I felt like the next two are kind of similar, but I think this little section uh, was really good. This I liked this departure from Tatooine. I like this the space that we're in. I love the characters that we're meeting. I just think that the show is going in such a fun direction and different like cinematic direction that, you know, that we're not getting anywhere else. I think it's just like an extra long movie. It's, it's amazing. And I love the direction Deborah Chow is going. And I just, I trust her with this whole entire story and I want more from her. Yes. Absolutely. So, so good. Like episode two has in my opinion been like the weakest of the four that i have watched but it is by far one of the strongest episodes of star wars tv in general and deborah chow's work on this show unbelievable unbelievable she is 
absolutely knock it out of the park. The direction, the directing of the actors, it, the production design, everything about this show is, is everything I could have wanted and more. And there's elements of it, you know, that we could point out and be like, yeah, it's a little annoying that the Grand Inquisitor got iced at the end of episode two and hasn't showed up in two more episodes. Yeah, it's annoying that the way that that was shot opened up an entire can of worms. Yeah, there's concerns about, you know, overriding the animated shows. All these are, are, you know, things that have popped up. But for the most part, I'm struggling to find criticism to level at this show. And it only gets better from here. Uh, episode three may be one of my favorite episodes of anything ever. Well, then I guess I better hurry up and do my notes on that so we can get on to yeah, that I also, episode. I also need to do my notes. Uh, all right. So by the time we record our episode three, our plan is to continue to do double times. This episode will come out on, um, fingers crossed, editing isn't too bad, Friday or Saturday. Ideally. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot for Friday. I think I can do it. I think I can have it Friday morning. I'll have it out. I think so. Okay. Uh, by the next time, I will at least be semi-moved into the new place. Gotcha. Uh, so I will have some padding uh, on my voice. And then uh, hopefully by episode four, my computer bank will be set up and everything will be back to normal. Uh, so thank you all. If you have sat through this episode, thank you for bearing with my slightly wonky audio. Um, it is worth it just to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bradley Wells. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gates. Did Charles fuck something up? Email us and let us know at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Games. I think Bradley is currently Googling it. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, How does see. it feel to be me, bitch? Oh, God. He has more than one kid. <laughs>